It's time to hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you. It's time to hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you. Sometimes hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you. You're listening to the Noise Cancelling Pod, the podcast about streamlining life, encouraging discourse, and maximizing your mind. Hosted by Frank Boyce and Axel Clark. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Noise Cancelling Pod. This is episode 50. I'm Frank Boyce. And this is Axel Clark. It's great to be back. It's, according to my calendar, Axel, it's been less than six months. We're on a roll. <laughs> I think we can consider it a roll when we go back and look in. The first, what was it, the first two years we did 30 episodes, and since then we've done 20 episodes five years later. So I remember we kept trying to get episodes per year, and then we had to keep reducing it and reducing it. At one point we were on track for 11 per year, and then I don't think, I think we got close, and we never actually hit it. So we'll see. I'm trying to think what what do we need to get to this year? Like 77 by the end of the year. <laughs> I'll have to double check that. It might be 66. So if that's the case, there's there's still a chance. It's a possibility, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, so this is episode 50. I didn't think we'd ever get here, but I'm I'm glad we're here. Um, what are we talking about tonight? So we have some updates. I've got some. I was on another podcast, so I can talk a little bit about that. I had a, I would call it a coaching call, so I can mm-hmm. talk about that, and then I also want to discuss a little bit about my next steps, and nice. then I, uh, we can do a little bit of reflection on our 50 episodes. Maybe we'll start off with that, uh, and then I also want to see where you're at on franklytease.com. I'm excited to talk about that, too. I, I agree. Let's, let's start with talking about our memories. One thing that's kind of either ironic or interesting depending on how you look at it one of our episodes we talked about the state of the union uh with marion um so it's, it's kind of weird that it's going on tonight while we're recording it uh, true one thing i wanted to ask you so i wanted to, to give you a quick pop quiz what do you think are our top four episodes based on listens all right so i think it's just random th- words in the headline so if i had to guess i would say this trevor politics trump in the headlines that's episode three we have another episode that is about cryptocurrency what's that one episode 35 bitcoin ethereum and cryptocurrency Mm -hmm. Um, and then the next one i think would have to be some sort of a guest that brought us a lot of listens so Maybe Eric Andrus. Oh. Or Samuel Hatton. I'm not sure which one of those two. Those are pretty good guesses. So one thing. And those are my guesses. Yeah. Episode three rates 49th. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The politics rated 49th. So I don't know if that just kind of got lost in the mix. Um, Wow. Okay. Shockingly down there. Number 50, episode 48. So, guys, 
and gals, go back and listen to episode 48. It's it's going to bring you up to date on lots of the things we're talking about tonight, and uh, it's worth a listen. Uh, top four. I'll start at number four. Episode one. <laughs> Not episode zero, mind you. Episode mm-hmm. one. Wow. Number three, episode 42, Change Management. Okay. Which I've gone back and listened to that one. That one, that one is really good, actually. It's talking about leadership. Number two, episode 45, Survival. Okay. I don't know if it's just the, the title might, might no. like hit people, like hit a nerve. Where is the one where they came out with another podcast like ours? I would guess whatever episode that was that we had just released would be, maybe it was this one. <laughs> it could, I'll have to go back and look at the date. It was it was like March of last year, so that that timing does land up line up pretty well. <laughs> the big the big UK bump, and then number one, you were right, Eric Andres. Significantly cool. higher than any other episode. He's got a good audience. Yeah. he was good. He was fun to talk to. <laughs> we might need to bring him back on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I wonder what he's up to these days. It would be interesting to track him down on Twitter. I, th- I think he's shifted a little bit, um, but yeah, that would be that's that's worth an email. I wonder if he'd be surprised to know that we're still going strong. <laughs> I feel like he would be shocked. <laughs> Am I going strong? Yeah. Like, you guys are still doing that. Are you like actually recording it or? <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the pop quiz. I did. I pulled out two quotes. One from episode forty-four and one from episode forty-five because I. I think that they've they've really tied into a lot of my activities of late. Uh, episode 44, we were actually talking about developing new hobbies. And the quote is, being creative and writing to express yourself is more important than any success. Oh, that's a good one. I like, so I that, like one. that one. And then out of survival, which I don't really like saying. It looks good on paper, but it is not fun to say. Um the quote was be disciplined in your hobbies to provide time and space for something different hmm. I was like I like those ones that's good advice yeah nice so I'm trying to think what what other memories do you have from specific episodes I think now that I'm scanning through it looks like in 44 we talked about our our one ever ad the movie spiders will eat your face the documentary <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was, that was some big-time cash right there. How many times did we do the read? It was really good, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, I think we did it four times. Yeah, well. I think that was that was what our obligation was. But remember, we were going to quit, but then he offered the, the ad, and so that we had to keep going because we're like, well, if someone's going to offer us money to do this, then we have to keep going. So we may not be here if it were not for... Spiders will eat your face. The documentary. I feel like there's at least a ninety percent chance that we would not have been here without spiders will eat my face. And I did. I did learn a lot from watching that documentary. It was. I wouldn't recommend anybody to go watch that. To be honest, but it, it was. It was intriguing, and there was a lot of good information. There's a lot of creativity. It was a unique take on a documentary. I felt like that is true. Yeah, it was like paper mache type animation yeah like it was, it was it was unique absolutely 
Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any ones, other ones that really stand out to me. I, I did think um, Marie Applegate was a very, very She was an interesting guest, yeah. yeah. So if you guys want to go back and listen to an earlier episode, what episode is that? I think it was in the 20s. 23. Okay. 23, yeah. Highly recommend episode 23. It'll expand your... You know who I want to go back and one last one. You know who I want to go back and listen to some of the episodes with Miriam Khan, who's mm. uh, a reporter at ABC. Yeah, both of her episode episode six, and then she was back like six months after that for a second episode, and they were, yeah episode fourteen, six and fourteen she's on, and they're both excellent. Yeah, she's so well spoken, and it's it's awesome to get kind of an inside scoop to that whole world. Yeah. Well, that's that's cool. That's all that I had. It's been fun. I'm I'm glad we keep doing it. I, I was talking to Katie about it last week, and I was like, it's such an interesting way to keep up with somebody. You know <laughs> true, what I mean? it is like true. It's, it's, it's kind of weird. Like we've hung out a, a couple times, obviously. In the last seven years, but for the most part, just keeping in touch via the podcast. True, yeah, it is interesting, but it's it has worked well. I mean, I would recommend it for anybody that wants to wants to keep in touch. It, it forces you to stare at them over the computer and have a conversation for an extended period of time. Yeah, exactly. So let's get to your update. I'm I'm excited to hear number one. How did the podcast go? Okay, so I was on this podcast called elixir newbies and i thought it went well so it's not out yet i was pretty nervous mm-hmm. about going on because the first time i was i was in the hot seat but overall i thought it went it went well uh the host uh brooklyn is excellent at le- like having a good conversation he is he started well it sounds like he's been podcasting for a long time, and so I was curious how he, like, what skills he had that would, that he built that ability. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's a big, he's big into Dungeons and Dragons. And I guess when you lead the group through the scenario, uh, a lot of it is about, like, telling the story and asking questions. And, and so a lot of that translates into podcasting, which is kind of interesting to me. I could definitely see that. D&D podcasts are extremely popular. Mm. Oh, One might yeah. say huh. they're the largest growing category of podcasts when you consider that almost every other category of podcasts is shrinking significantly. Mm. Good to know. So, yeah, so I, I went on, talked about the, the book that I wrote and uh, a little bit about my experience programming. So overall, I thought it went good. It was fun. Well, I want to know what kind of prep went into that, like, did you guys have pre pre conversations? You have some show notes going back and forth. He sent me so we had an intro call a few weeks ago, and then as a then he we scheduled the the podcast, and he uses a scheduling app. And the podcast, like I got an automated email of the technical details of how I'd log in and all that all that things, and also a checklist. And then he sent me show notes that were mostly questions and also kind of his intro reading that he does, which mm-hmm. is similar to what he does for the Dungeons and Dragons scenario. He has a one-minute read-in that kind of sets the stage and gets him in the 
uh, in the right frame of mind for the podcast. And so that was the prep. And then we had maybe like a five minute conversation before the podcast. Nice. And then how long was your actual interview on the podcast? I think it was about 45 minutes. It's pretty solid. Yeah, it was good. Uh, well, we'll definitely have to get a link out so yeah. all of our listeners can hop over there and give a big noise-canceling <laughs> pod bump. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to listen to it. Um, I'm sure it'll be very good. And anybody that is interested in the topic will, will find it fascinating. And maybe we'll even go and buy your book. Who knows? I don't know. My dad likes to say... It's the best pro- programming book he's ever seen. And, he, <laughs> and uh, then he follows up with it's the only one that he's ever seen and read. So, Your dad's a classic. Yeah. So your second big update, coaching yeah. call. What's... So I had a coaching call uh, with someone on Twitter, and he had he stopped doing it. But he had a like a Calendly link in his profile, and he was scheduling thirty minute calls with anyone. And his area of expertise, if you will, is software as a service. Mm-hmm. And he has, I think, he's done. He's started two of them. One of them he sold for like millions of dollars. And so now he just like is. He's told me he's just doing Twitter for fun and scheduling these calls just to talk to people. And so. I went into the call thinking that I wanted to learn the details of SaaS, software as a service. But then I gave him my background and explained that I was still trying to figure out what skills I needed to build coming up on my potential retirement. And so then it was interesting because we ended up talking about the fundamentals of business and almost nothing about SaaS, with the exception of maybe the SaaS revenue model. Mm -hmm. But he really connected the pieces of business and also identified where my strengths would be and where I need where my areas for improvement are so it was a pretty amazing call that he pivoted to something like that um, in the call and explained it to me in a with a great analogy in a clear manner interesting so does he offer any additional coaching services or is it more just like discovery and quick input uh, so I think he has a mastermind, but I didn't ask him about that on our call. And he's limited to like five people. Uh, and right now, he said he's done doing the 30-minute calls. He did it kind of as a test. Mm-hmm. And then now he's mostly doing Twitter spaces, which is kind of like an interview format okay. on Twitter. Interesting. That whole coaching space, I feel like there's a, a wide range uh, of expertise and benefits. Yeah, I definitely agree. So that, that's interesting. I mean, I feel like if somebody's that good and intuitive within a thirty-minute call, they're worth worth following up on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, I learned a lot, and gave, he gave me an idea of what I need to do next. So mm-hmm. I can exp- let me just explain it. So yeah. I I've done the book. I was thinking about doing the video. I think I mentioned that before. So before I go any further, I have to explain these four elements of business. He called it the puzzle of business. He's like, there's a puzzle. There's business 
I'm going to give you what you need to make, and then you have to go find the pieces to put this puzzle together, uh, but the pieces aren't given to you ahead of time. And so he, he's like, based on your military experience, the, the center of it is people. So being able to manage people across all the different functions is something that probably would be a strength for you. So, uh, and then around people, there is profit, which is mostly focused on your finances and how you handle revenue and, uh, and your costs mm-hmm. and different ways of looking at it and different formulas to figure out the best way to maximize profit. Sure. So that's one piece. Uh, and then there's the purchase, which is marketing and sales. So marketing, it would be awareness of your product and getting the product in front of people. And then sales is actually getting them to convert and purchase the product. And then finally, there's the actual product, which is your ability to deliver it and also any customer support. So when he was talking to me, he said, oh, all right, so people, you probably, that's one of your strengths with your leadership experience. With the product, you've already, you've coded an app, so you can be pretty confident that you can actually deliver a product. And then with your experience, you probably would be pretty good at customer support uh, in that process. Uh, And then with the contracting background, he's like, you understand probably the fundamentals of finance, but you'll need to learn the right formulas and how to look at them and figure out how how to make your business profitable and which levers to pull to make it more profitable. So that's an er- definitely an area where you are familiar, but you need to learn the specifics. And then on the purchase side, since I've been learning SEO, he said that's a good way of doing marketing, but the thing you really need to hone in on is sales and converting people uh, once they see your product. Yeah. And so I was thinking, you know, if I did the video, uh, that's really focusing on like the product side again being able to do the video. And so he suggested that I try writing some ads for my book and just to see, just to become familiar with how the ad process works. And then also he was uh, talking to me about doing A-B testing and at what point in your funnel um, you wanna do the A-B testing. Uh, And he suggested doing that on the ad itself. Uh, Whereas some people wanna do it later, like on your Mm -hmm. sales page. Yep. But from his perspective, a lot of the same headlines and copy will translate through all of your pieces of your funnel. And so you have to spend a lot in ads to get enough people to your sales page. Whereas if you run the A-B testing on your ads, you can do it for cheaper. You can mm-hmm. get you get more uh, tests, if you will, for cheaper. That makes sense. So that was the rundown. So ultimately, I think I'm going to... I'm going to defer the video for a bit and focus a little bit on fixing up my sales page and also potentially running some ads just to see how that works. That's interesting. I mean, I feel like that's great advice in terms of honing honing the sales skills before you diversify your products. Like, I think, I think that's good. I, I feel like I'm a lot like you. Like, I, I prefer to focus on the product because it's more fun and exciting. Um, right. I feel that that was my exact thought as I was driving home that it's easier for me to go back to another product, but I have this product done and I I did some marketing and 
I had a sales page, but I haven't really figured out that the conversion angle of it. And mm -hmm. even my SEO, I'm getting people to the site, but I'm not even getting them to convert on my quick reference guide. Mm -hmm. So obviously that's an area that I need to improve. And so it doesn't really make sense to go do another product if I haven't got this area dialed in. Yeah. Well, that's a really beneficial call. Was it free? Yeah, it's free. Yeah, wow. he, all I wanted was a little shout out on Twitter. That's amazing. That's really cool. I love when people do that, share their expertise. Just it was amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, cool. So, all right, that's, so I think that's, that's, that's kind of your update, the, right? Yeah, those are my updates. So, now I want to hear about franklytees.com. Well, it is live, just, just so you know. I think you've been there. Um, we are... Let's see. I feel pretty good about the website so far. Two blogs posted. One that is probably going to get posted either tomorrow or the next day. Three okay. recipes posted. Um, I think I'll have a fourth, a, a separate page for iced tea recipes. We'll be ready to go. Um, the recipe is ready. I just got to build a page in the next couple of days as well. Um, Marketing-wise, I'm, I'm feeling the most drawn to Instagram right now. Okay. Just because it's kind of a new world for me. I've never never been around Insta very much other than just hearing what people say about it. I think it's a that's a good strategy. And the tea community is very, very live on, on Insta. Oh nice. Yeah. But the one thing I found I don't feel like the content like it's all pretty much the same, just like pictures of people's tea. Like here's mm -hmm. here's some green loose leaf tea. Here's some dark green loose leaf tea. Here's some slightly darker loose leaf tea. So, is that even for the people that have a huge following? Can they build a following with posts like that? I think there's enough. Like I said, the tea community is super strong on Instagram because um, it's kind of like tea and travel and blogs um, all together. So I mean, there's probably millions of users. Like the mm -hmm. just the like tea hashtag or loose leaf. Loose Leaf has like 5 million posts or something like that. So I think I think it's big enough that they can they can kind of slowly slowly gain traction with that. But yeah, and I think what I've kind of done is taking my idea of like the TikTok videos and use them as my reels on Instagram. And I I've, I feel like it's it's going pretty well. I, li I like the content that's out there. It's basically just me brewing tea and then showing all the ingredients. Oh, so, nice. Okay. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. The so there, there. I'm not sure what the strategy is with Instagram, but each of the platforms has a strategy to build followers. Followers, and for example, with Twitter, and I don't, this isn't exact numbers, but I think from zero to a thousand, it's hard for you to just post threads and tweets and build a following you need to post like basically build off of someone else's following mm -hmm. so a lot of people recommend following like 10 people and then being very active underneath their tweets with reply yeah. not not worthless replies but you know adding value to their underneath them and their replies and that's how you get to um like a thousand mm -hmm. and the the thing you have to do is you have interesting replies to other people's tweets and then people will visit your profile of oh interesting that person has something interesting to say and yeah. then you've got to have your profile with a pinned tweet that's interesting 
a tweet here or there, but you don't necessarily need a ton of them. You just need to show that you're active. Mm-hmm. And then your profile, in some ways, your profile description convinces them to follow you. Yeah. So that's the that's the strategy on Twitter, but I'm not sure how that relates to Instagram. Yeah, I think you need, from from what I've seen and read and talked to, talk to Katie about you the algorithm for insta is kind of just odd where you know you might have a poster reel one day that three people see and for whatever reason the next day thousands of people might see it so i I don't necessarily know if there's you know like a rock solid way to do it but from what i've heard kind of the general rule is you need to meander through reels like have some good video content have some good posts and then also be somewhat active um, on the stories as well and then also you know like and follow and comment on other people's posts to just show overall engagement yeah hmm can you re- like ha- is there something equivalent to a retweet on instagram um i'm trying to think i think on stories you can do something that's similar to that mm. Uh, okay. On posts, you can just like and comment. Got and then I think you can share other people's posts to your stories uh, is another thing, too. Okay. I'm still okay. pretty new to it. I've only, I think I've been active for six and a half days on Insta. Is there a DM concept on Instagram? Yes. Yep. So the one thing that I haven't done enough on Twitter is you can just do cold DMs to people and then just figure out a way to, to, strike up a conversation with them mm-hmm. and then that can be especially if they have either equivalent or larger accounts yeah uh and some people aren't going to respond but that can be a good way to get kind of involved and get other people promoting your content that have a larger following yeah i think the the one place that i'm going to follow that exactly what you're talking about is with some of these different like tea suppliers and tea manufacturers around the world to see like hey i'd love to you know review your tea or use it in a recipe um you know things like that Mm -hmm. and engage with larger brands like you said that that would be willing to send you know ten dollars worth of tea to me yeah nice so so yeah but it's it's been fun it honestly is is kind of invigorating to kind of compare content compare you know what else is out there i i do feel like there's there's a lot of room for growth just on instagram where you know some of the recipes that i'm putting out are you know a pretty large deviation from what what's out there now where it's like just brewing one single loose leaf tea and you know mine you know there's sometimes six or seven or eight different ingredients in it to make this perfect breakfast tea that I, i really like yeah, you definitely need to find some some influencer with that likes tea to to say, hey, check out this website for these recipes, and then you'd be off and running. That's a, that's very true too. Have okay, so once you get traffic, have, what's your goal? Are you trying to to make money from the site in some way, or are you trying to just get traffic? Like, what's your overall goal for the project? I mean, I think it goes back to that that quote I I had from episode 44 and 45 it's just like it's it's a creative enterprise it's it's a new hobby that i'm i'm feeling energized and passionate about and i think i'll take it a bit more seriously in terms of building traffic building 
you know, people that follow me on Instagram um, and becoming more of an expert than I have on, on many other <laughs> many other endeavors that I've had. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of, Mm -hmm. that's kind of the thing is I just want to take it a little bit more seriously than I have in the past. And whether that's a a success and it turns into something or whether I just blog about it for the next year and I'm just happy with the outcome. Um, I'll be good with that too. Yeah. Have you started, have you, how much have you thought about SEO? Um, the SEO of the site. Have you done an audit on it? I have not. I mean, I think what I want to do first is get some good content out there, get get a few longer blogs, and then go back through and see how I can lengthen them and make them a little bit more SEO friendly. Okay. How about submitting them to newsletters? I have tried that. I actually okay. submitted to three last week. I haven't. I have not heard back. Okay. Once you. Once you start building your list of newsletters to submit to. Do you have analytics set up on your site? I do. Like Google I actually analytics? set that up two days ago. Okay. I just wrote a program because for my programming website, there's, I think there's maybe like six newsletters that I always submit my articles to. Hmm. Every single time I always submit them. And so you, when you submit your art, when you submit the link to the, to the newsletter, you want to build in the UTM parameters so mm-hmm. that if someone clicks from their newsletter to your site, you know where the traffic's coming from. But it's kind of a pain to remember how to, like what the end of the link should be. And so I'm going to send you a link to this web web app, essentially, sure. that I that I created, that where you enter all of your, the sources are who you're going to submit your your website to. Yeah. And then when you do a new blog post, you add the, the page mm-hmm. and you add like the the page URL and then the page description and then it builds the link for you. Interesting. That's from, cool. For all of the, for all the sources. And I figured out how to do it in a spreadsheet, but the one weird thing that would happen, I don't know, maybe I just couldn't figure it out, but it would always try to create an actual link. And so then when I try to copy and paste it into something, it would paste it as a, uh, I don't know how to d- describe it. It would, it would make it look like you, you wanted both the, uh, like the link would be the text that would show. And then they would also have the link. Oh, weird. And so it was very frustrating. I finally had to find like the cheapest, spreadsheet software I could find that that was just basically plain text and it worked well but this is basically will do it for you and I'm still working on making little tweaks to it but I'll send it to you just because I was messing around I wanted to build something new and I'll seems like uh, a good back burner project down the road for another product yeah that's cool there's a lot of sites that will build the link for you but there's not a lot that I found that will save all the information. Like if you submit to the same five sites every time, mm-hmm. you don't want to have to repaste all their information right. every single time. So this saves the the source, the uh, referral type, and then also whatever you you want to do for your campaign. Which I usually just do launch for the first one, mm-hmm. and it saves it in there. And so you just add the link, and then it builds it for all five for you. That's really cool. Yeah, I think after I get this third one posted this week, 
um, and go back through and hopefully add a few keywords here and there that will make it easier to find for people. Um, I'd love to get your eyes on it for a little SEO audit. I also have a, there's free audits that will look at the like technical aspects of it, sure. which is basically your uh, how your article is formatted, like H1. Did I tell you? I don't think. Did I tell you about the SEO for the the other site that I just looked at? Mm. Okay. Oh my god. Okay. So I audited this other site, and uh, so I was like, okay, let's see how this site looks. And uh, okay, so. Google uses the page title in the the head, like for SEO purposes, as the title, mm-hmm. and then then it uses your description, and then as a fallback, it uses your H1, which should be your title of your article. And so your H1 and then your page title for SEO purposes, they don't have to match, and Google will just pick whatever one they think is the best. Yeah. But you want one or the other. So I looked at this these posts. And the page title for SEO purposes was just the name of the site. And then for some reason, I think for whatever reason, how they ended up formatting it, the article title was just a P paragraph element and wasn't H1. Mm. And then all the other section headers were H2s. So basically from Google's perspective, they're looking at this link and they're like, I don't have a page title for it because it just has the 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 site name as yeah. the page title and then there's no h1 and then six h2s so i basically don't even know what this thing i don't know what this article is called yeah and so that's was right off the bat that's that's not going to rank very well because google doesn't even know what to call it yeah so that's one aspect and then i have a program that you put in your keywords and then it will look at the top let's say 10 articles mm-hmm. and it says okay 10 out of 10 of these articles have this term or 7 out of 10 of these articles have this term and so when google is ranking your article it's going to say it thinks it's right it's not going if your article is way off base it's not going to think that these 10 that currently rank 1 through 10 are wrong and your article on this topic is correct. So mm-hmm. it's going to ins- expect you to have a lot of the similar certain key terms uh, that the other ones that already rank one through 10 have. And so this thing will, you put your search terms and then it analyzes the top 10 articles and it says you should probably add these 20 keywords that are present in the other top 10 articles. And so that can help you mm-hmm. um, make sure that you aren't missing something uh, for ranking. And then the last piece is the links that we already talked about. And also checking out forums and posting your uh, your links onto different for- T forums. That's great to know. Sweet. Well, those are some good things for me to work on next week. Yeah. I had one. There was one. Oh, have you? So you have Google Analytics. Do you have Google Search Console set up? I think so. Okay, you, yeah. you have to check on that. And the truth is, for the first couple of months, it may not register hardly anything because it takes a while yep. for Google to actually care about your site. Yep. 
but it's good to get it set up just to see historical where you rank for certain or for certain keywords and how you're improving over time. For sure. Sweet. So yeah, so that's where I'm at. I think um, you know, moving forward, I'm going to keep focusing on Insta, keep getting recipes out there. I think a blog a week seems pretty reasonable at this point. Um, that's that's how I was going to ask you what your what your content frequency is because I think when I first started, I treated it almost as a homework assignment, mm-hmm. or yeah, basically a homework assignment, and so I was really driving to make sure I got my one a week or it was one a week ultimately it was one a week and I think that's important because if you're kind of laissez-faire about what your frequency is Mm -hmm. you'll I mean for me it's easy to get it's easy to get caught up in using Instagram or Twitter and thinking you're doing marketing but really you're just like scrolling and consuming instead of producing yeah and so it's easy to like do that for a few days and think to yourself i'm doing marketing but you actually haven't produced anything what i I agree with that what's interesting in terms of motivation is with you know trying to post something on instagram every day it it kind of forces me into creating new recipes and by creating new recipes for an instagram post then i can put that recipe on the oh, site. That's perfect. But, but before I want to put the recipe on the site, I want an accompanying blog. So it's kind of one leads oh, to the other. Great. Yeah. Well, and your you, your content all fits together, which makes sense. That's makes sense, but it also is helpful because you're not trying to produce. You can reuse your blog post, and yeah, you can reuse blog posts. So cool. Yeah, yeah, and I think another, you know. I don't just want to focus on on tea, you know. I'm, I think I'm trying to get a little cross pollination into you know mindfulness and meditation and, and oh, self care right. as well. So some of the blogs that I are coming like that. up are, are kind of focused on you know the health benefits of tea, but also you know the benefits of of having good good habits and how you know a good morning routine can ground you for the entire day. So you know trying to kind of push forward and, and make it more than just tea so you can you can pull in larger communities got it cool ha- I have one more question have you th- done some research into what term people would use for do it yourself tea or whatever whatever mixing your own tea is there a term for this or is there a community around this yet I don't think so to be honest with you I, I did search for like DIY tea blends um, and there's there's not really anything. I think that's probably been the most encouraging part of the project so far in terms of just like hoping for success, um, mm-hmm. which again, not the focus, but would be open to being surprised. Um, it's it's kind of one dimensional. Like there's there's some people who post a, like one or two like tea cocktails, which is kind of another thing I want to get into i actually have some juniper berries steeping in the fridge right now um for my g and t cocktail with tea so mm-hmm. a, a tea and tea if you will um but you know it's pretty bland in terms of you know like here's some brands that are that are posting what's in their blended tea but it's not really very many people like walking through how to put together a tea blend or what, what they use in their, their tea yeah. recipes. 
Neat. That's cool. So. Oh, I have one other thing. When yeah. you're talking to these tea companies, I think you should just ask them if they have an affiliate program. Because ultimately, including, like, if you're going to share the, the, this is the brand of tea that I'm using for this, you might as well have an affiliate link if they ha- actually have one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, why not? Yeah. It's not going to, I mean, with as many people as use affiliate programs, it's not going to, like, hurt my, <laughs> hurt right. my credibility yeah. to use yeah. that. So, no, it's a good call. Cool. Well, man, we covered the gambit tonight. Yeah, we did. That's awesome. So, episode 50 in the books, 50 to go, question mark? <laughs> I think we could do it. I, I feel like it's it's kind of like when you're running on a treadmill and, and you hit like a certain part of, like you, you have less than a half mile to go. And you're like, well, I might as well just finish this half mile. You yeah, know I mean, like that's that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, I agree. And we're on we're on a roll. If we can keep up this roll, we'll be in business. Yep. No, I agree with that. Um, and I think the fact that we both have some creative endeavors going on that we're we're passionate about helps a ton too. Yeah. Well, I saw someone. People were talking about how do I tweet more frequently. And then the suggestion was do interesting things and then tweet about those interesting things. Nice. And so now that we're we're doing, I think, interesting things, so we have a lot to talk about. That's so exactly right. Easier. Yeah. So with that, I'm Frank Boyce. And this is Axel Clark. Thanks for all of your support and looking forward to another 50.